We mentioned revelatory weekends, but in different ways for some of the teams in the Commonwealth of Virginia. We touched on Virginia and Virginia Tech earlier today. Obviously, that will be up shortly. Fastlane, Ned Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts, and please keep your thoughts coming. Fastlane, Ned Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll start getting to some more of those tomorrow in the Fastlane. However, there are other teams as well. Radford over the weekend. It was another loss on the road at USC Upstate. Uh, not exactly the way they had drawn things up this past weekend for them. And then JMU men's basketball, too. They got a nice victory, convincing, and they put a lot of those together. Excuse me, not at USC Upstate. Excuse me, yes, USC Upstate Saturday. Lost at home to Charleston Southern. Radford did on Wednesday. Um But JMU, we mentioned them as well. And right now, they're a team where the identity is starting to be formed. We know Appalachian State, they're the top team in that particular conference. But for JMU, this is a good win, and it keeps them in the discussion as teams that you believe have a chance to reasonably say win the Sun Belt Tournament, and both of those have put together nice performances. Also over the weekend, more on NASCAR coming your way tomorrow. Um... Trey may be getting ready to make fun of me a lot tomorrow in the fast lane because Ty Gibbs almost won the race over the weekend. So those are all things that we will get to momentarily, but we have to go back to basketball, part two of covering the Commonwealth, with more in-depth on the Highlanders, Dukes, and NASCAR. In what order? Find out right now. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with... The Radford Highlanders with Rick Watson. Play-by-play voice for Radford. He's back with us once again here in the fast lane. Rick, a pleasure once again to be speaking with you. For Radford, they had a tough home loss to Charleston Southern this past Wednesday. And then on Saturday, they went down and lost at USC Upstate. Um, Is dire too severe a word for this Radford team or more just a funk? How would you describe their two-game losing streak? Hey, good to be with uh, you guys again, as always. Um, I think it's headed toward Dyer. I think um, we just started the second time through the conference schedule, and um, there's no two ways about it. It was a pretty bad series of losses. You know, Charleston Southern was below us in the standings, and they come to the Dedman Center and, and battle back after double figures and win. And then to not lead on Saturday without Kenyon Giles, who was out with a groin injury, but nonetheless, to not ever have to lead on the road at a team who was 1-7. So, there are a lot of things. This week off um, could not have come at a better time. Now, the bye week as they try to work on some things to get ready for our next trip this weekend at Presbyterian. Yeah, I mean, the bye week is crucial at this particular time. Uh, Of the things that have dogged this Radford team, is it injuries? Is it inconsistency? What has stood out to you the most as being the real concern that's started to rear its head and must be rectified starting Saturday at Presbyterian? Well, you do cite the injuries and, you know, and I know everybody is dealing with something, but this team has not been together as a whole one time this year and it won't be because they have, you know, TJ Neesmith out for the year. So, but beyond that, it's been consistency on defense. It's been not being able to hit the glass and, and, and limit teams to just one shot. Too many teams are getting offensive rebounds and they're just not consistently getting the ball fed to the post. It is something that is 
repeating itself, and I think right now it's kind of confounding the coaches a little bit. So I know those are three of the things they're going to work on starting today as they get back to practice. Rick Watson, the voice of the Radford Highlanders, joining us now in the fast lane. Rick, last one for you, but for Radford, you mentioned areas on which they can improve going forward. Um, How is this team handling this patch of adversity as well? Obviously, they're working on it. Is there a level of panic within the team, or is it more of identifying areas that they need to improve upon and having a constructive plan to do so? No, there's no panic. I think the guys, you know, they had a, a nice team meeting on Sunday. They did it themselves because Sunday is a mandatory off day. And the players called a players-only meeting, and that was something that impressed the coaches because it was the first time they had done that this year. So we'll see what the product of that is. They understand there is a sense of urgency building. Right now they have to come to the realization they're not going to compete for a regular season Big South title, but you want to make sure your seeding is as such so you're not playing on that first night in the play-in game. So um, we're going to see what that does now with these guys coming together and taking some ownership, and hopefully it turns around the results to the positive. Rick Watson, the voice of the Radford Highlanders, with us once again in the fast lane. Rick, a pleasure to speak with you. We'll be tuned in this Saturday when Radford heads on the road to Presbyterian on the VTRN Roanoke app. All right, guys. Thank you as always. Appreciate you. The JMU Dukes with Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News Record. With us again in the fast lane, Shane, a pleasure to speak with you. We've discussed previously some of the JMU struggles against Appalachian State. Outside of that, though, this is a team that really has found its groove in a number of other areas. Elaborate, if you would, on the fact that while JMU is not at the top of the Sun Belt, it looks like they're starting to figure out their identity and position themselves to be a team that is near the top toward the end of the season and, more importantly, in the conference tournament. Yeah, like you said, they're not at the top of the Sun Belt right now. They're a couple games back of Appalachian State. They're actually in third place behind Troy. I think as it shakes out and everybody gets through their schedules, you're going to see App State and JMU at the top. Um, but, you know, there's still a ways to go. But like you said, JMU's they, – they've taken care of business against everybody else. They, they've struggled against App State. But, um, you know, like this weekend, they, they get another win third of the season against ODU. ODU's struggling. But, you know, historically – Sweeping the conference or sweeping the uh, regular season series and winning seven straight against ODU is just not something the JMU program has done. So I mean, I think they're enjoying where they're at right now, even though they've they've had some disappointments along the way. Shane, you mentioned the part that they've handled this adversity, JMU, and what they've done. Are they getting a guy now in Raquan Horton who stepped up to the point where he could be that type of player that takes over in a conference tournament setting? I think so. I mean, I think he's he's a guy who um, he's been an impact player really since he got to JMU this off season. He was he was a role player at Charleston last year. Everybody remembers Charleston was a team that you know kind of had a similar season to JMU where they got off to a really good start. They got to the top twenty five. They um, won a whole bunch of games, but then still was kind of on the bubble when it came towards NCAA tournament time. So he's been through all of this before. Um, 
he, he's been on a similar type of team. He played a similar kind of role, but now he's like maybe taking a step up and you know playing more minutes. And just as he matures and and gets more time on the floor, um, he's becoming a guy off the bench they can really count on. And I mean that's not to say that he wasn't good at the beginning of the season. I mean he had a huge shot against Michigan State in the season opener, so he's been a guy all year. But he's really starting to step it up maybe in the scoring department. Indeed. And now you're getting something out of what they're able to do. Last one, we'll pivot away from basketball to football. Um, you've got an article, uh, and you've written a number of times about JMU and what they've got with uh, with Bob Chesney leading the football program. Any concern about him going to that Boston College opening? Or did the way in which Halfley left to be an NFL assistant, if anything, speak to the fact that it's less desirable to make that type of a jump unless the pay is so great and it doesn't appear to be the case at a place like BC. At this point, no, I don't think there's any concern. I I talked to some people who are pretty tied into things up in New England and stuff right after that job opened, and you know the basic, the, the generally the consensus was if that opened up in December. Bob Chesney would probably be Boston College's coach right now. That, you know, he, he would have wanted that job. Boston College would have wanted him, but the timing of it just didn't work out. Um, you know, I don't think he wanted to kind of be on the move again after after you know putting in a ton of work here over the last couple months to uh, you know salvage a recruiting class and get transfers and get the roster set and everything. So I think the timing was ideal for JMU and not Boston College in this. Um, you know, so. I don't think he's looking at that right now. I don't think Boston College is really looking his way. Um, They say they're going to probably have a hire soon, and I, I don't think Chesney's really on the mix there. Shane, thank you for your time, as always, from the Harrison Bird Daily News Record. We will also keep it locked to Shane underscore DNR Sports. Shane Metlin, Harrisonburg Daily News Record with us in the fast lane. And last but not least, or maybe least, NASCAR with Very Brian much. Nolan. No, I'm not kidding. I'm going to be nice to him this year. He is he is not least. I'm going to be nice to Brian this He's year. He's not at all. You will not. Yes, I will. I, pr- I already, I promise. For whatever that promise is worth, Bri. Um, NASCAR, they pivoted away from a race on Sunday. Denny Hamlin among the drivers who were very praiseworthy of the decision to run it Saturday night on short notice. You were in Los Angeles around the chaos at the Coliseum. Your overall grade, from a media standpoint, from a fan's perspective, and yes, someone plugged into the drivers for FrontStretch.com of NASCAR's thought process in this decision. Well, first off, Ed, great to hear your voice, buddy. Um, it's been a while, Trey. I, I wish I could say the same. Just kidding. I love you. Um, but listen, NASCAR knew that they were going to lose money, whether they liked it or not, whether they're going to have to wait till Wednesday or whether they're going to have to um, move it a day early. Now, sure, they're going to lose millions of ticket revenue, but I mean, there was still four to 5000 I think, instead of 30000 but it's better than zero or $1,000, um, and it's better than canceling the race just overall. Sure, the TV ratings are going to be terrible when they come out soon, but um, the thing is... This was an exhibition race. They had to tear the track down. It's not like you can stay for like race like a Texas or Michigan. You can stay a couple of days. No, this track had to come down. So they couldn't just wait to run it in like April or May when they um, when they were, um, maybe could find like a weekday. No, they had to find one way or they were going to cancel it. So they did what they had to do. And um, overall, um, I, I feel like it was a great move because I think last time I checked, there was about eight inches of rain that have already um, come down in the past 48 hours. So pretty sure it's good news. 
Yeah, it, it kind of was for NASCAR, considering the alternative, as you mentioned, was nothing at all in terms of the actual race. We're discussing it with Brian Nolan of FrenchStretch.com here in the fast lane on W226BG Timberlake, WVGM AM Lynchburg, WMNA Gretna, Danville Southside, and the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app. Um, for NASCAR, the experiment in Los Angeles. They've wanted to be there. It looks like there's no auto club in the next handful of years, considering they just demolished it and there's really not much left of it. Is this the last go of NASCAR in Los Angeles for a couple of calendar years? You know, I think it is. And I mean, listen, this is the base market they go to, so it, it is a huge presence because they don't go to New York City. So the SoCal market is ginormous, and Fontana's always the big name where all the celebrities and everything and everybody came out to, and now that's not there, so it used, now it used to be the Clash. With that being said, the Clash is now gone, and I feel like it's kind of lost his luster, uh, so to speak. The first year was amazing. The second year was just a mess. And then, the, then on Saturday night, it was good, but it wasn't like as amazing as it was on Monday. So they have to figure out one, or I should say last year, not, not Monday, last year, or two years. But they need to figure out a way to get into this market because it is so big. I think one of the, the biggest popular, I think maybe Chase Elliott said this is probably the biggest market, most popular market that we have to go to because it's just so big. And they, whether it's a short track, whether they go to Long Beach and run a street course like they do an IndyCar series, they got to get back to this market. It is just too big to not be here. Pivoting away from the where NASCAR will be for the clash, Mexico has been discussed. Everyone's had their creative thoughts, and you aired yours out on the Front Stretch Stock Car Scoop podcast earlier this morning with Adam Cheek. Maybe it was yesterday, but I listened early this morning for whatever that's worth. Um, the race itself, did Denny Hamlin win, or did his teammate Ty Gibbs lose it? I think Ty Gibbs lost it, man. I mean, going into the corner, Denny Hamlin was just smoking the tires, and he was trying to hold him off for every which way. And then I think it was, you can thank Ross Chastain for getting into Michael McDowell and um, bunching everything up. And then, as, as everyone knows, all, all you know what uh, broke loose. And um, I, I do think Ty Gibbs um, lost it. But I, I feel like you're a big Ty Gibbs supporter, Ed. And I know, I, I feel like Trace told That's me that. That's underrating you've, you've it. You've always... You have always said that Ty Gibbs is going to win. Ty Gibbs is going to win. I think I'm in agreement with you, Ed. I think he does win. I think he wins multiple races this year. I think he, he's gotten the maturity level, um, well, so to speak. I mean, he's still going to be Ty Gibbs, but I do feel like he's going to get to victory lane because of the talent and then because of what car he drives. I mean, Joe Gibbs racing cars were phenomenal. Minus Christopher Bell, Hamlin was up there. Um, you had even the 2311 cars. They were good as well. So I would not be surprised to see that uh, 54 car into victory lane this year. That's music to my ears, Brian. <laughs> you are welcome back many, many times here in the fast lane <laughs> just by virtue of that comment. And if or should I say when it happens, knowing my luck, I'm just hoping it's at Richmond and Martinsville. He goes back to back to make a statement to start this season. He can go sooner if he wants, of course. That would be even more more phenomenal. But that perspective was just excellent, Brian. And we thank you for sharing it. It's why our listeners need to keep up with more at the Brian Nolan on Twitter and Instagram and FrontStretch.com. Ed, you have just um, assured me that, once again, you are my favorite sports talk host. Trey, 
you, you should learn a thing or two uh, for, for the Happy Hour podcast of uh, this upcoming week. Okay, buddy? Um, take some tips from Ed. I'm not even going to say... I, I promise to be nice, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Trey, uh, you know... Brian, we can agree this is a step of maturity for Trey, and he should be commended for that. I totally agree. I totally agree, Trey. You're growing up. I'm proud of you, buddy. Ed, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate you. I even appreciate you, Trey. It is. It is always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. All right. Can we go home? Yes, we can. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon, 5 to 6-ish, and hopefully my voice will be closer to 100%. We're at like 90% today, but uh, we hope for 100 tomorrow or something closer for whatever that's worth. In the meantime, have a great evening. We're back tomorrow at 5.